0: Do your feet sweat and work boots? If you struggle with sweaty feet, you need the best-selling Camel City Mill Lightweight Work Sock. You'll have dry, comfortable feet as their sweat-wicking merino wool is 35% better at wicking moisture compared to polyester socks, plus a 10-year durability guarantee thanks to their proprietary Ironside Merino Wool & Nylon Fortified Heel & Toe. Your feet won't hurt and recover faster because of the compression in the arch and calf which helps circulation through a full 14-hour shift. Expect all-day comfort, even with steel-toe boots due to the extra cushion in the toe. These socks are completely USA-made in North Carolina. Order ship within 24 hours, and anything over $50 ships for free. To get your socks today and see how insanely durable these socks actually are, go to CamelCityMill.com and use the code DIESEL15 and get 15% off your first order. Remember, use the code DIESEL15 for 15% off your entire order at CamelCityMill.com. Everybody, Welcome back to another week of Sweat and Grime. We are now in the new studio space, so I can't even do my like whole here's to my right, here's to my left anymore, because you guys are now across the room and beside me. So to my right, sort of, we have Greg motherfucking Johnson. What's up, y'all? And across the room, way far away, Rick, like you can't even grab my ass anymore, oh. we got Rick the Dick Valco. What's happening? And sitting next to Rick the Dick Valco, we have Tony Morelli. Did I? No. Did I miss it? Did I mess it up? Tony, Tony, Tony Maroonie. maruli Okay, I was so close, but not really. I mean, okay. you were kind of close. I'm sorry. It's almost Ish. like you got Lockjaw. Oh, he's already <laughs> tossed out his first Cards of Humanity card, and it was so nonchalant. <laughs> so we have Tony from Michigan. Cat, how are you, sir? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Thanks for Thanks coming for joining, on. Thanks My pleasure. Excited and, to be here. And, and Tony did, for the record... Tony did set a precedent tonight. Uh he brought whiskey to the show. And so uh it's now an expectation if you're gonna be a guest on Sweat and Grime. Uh we fully expect you to follow in Tony's footsteps. Thank you for setting that precedent, sir. My pleasure. That is probably the the biggest step a, a guest has taken on this on the show so far. All right. And and the really sad thing is, is this is not a classy showing. You totally classed it up. So yeah. now you've you raised the bar <laughs> you've raised the bar for us. All right. <laughs> So, tell us a bit about yourself, Tony. We know you work for Michigan Cat, and that's kind of the extent of our knowledge. Yeah.
1: Um, So, spent my whole career at Michigan Cat. Got into the industry sort of on a fluke, I guess I'd say. I uh, studied finance in school, played baseball, and didn't really work much besides a a month a year. Trying to earn as much beer money as I could in August when I had time off in college. Uh, As soon as I graduated was working for a, a home builder, building vestibules, doing punch list stuff. My dad was pretty pissed at me, wondering what the hell I was doing. But I just did not want to go into uh, savings and loan, finance, bank, and no desire to work behind a desk. Unfortunately, no, that's all I do. But, but then I was, <laughs> I, I was looking to get in the construction industry. That's, that's what I did. Yep. And I, I was passionate about it. So happened to go to a funeral, unfortunately, for my college roommate, whose uh, grandmother passed away and his his father and his grandfather were uh, longtime customers of Michigan Cat, so before I was there, our previous owner of Michigan Cat was there and was chatting with my buddy about uh, a new college and grad college graduate and training program that they were rolling out. They found that they had a gap between a really grizzled veteran workforce and a younger generation that knew how to open up a computer and new new more savvy business techniques, so I, I think it was pretty forthright of the president then to to look look out and think strategy long-term. So apply for the job and end up getting
2: it. here. I am. It's the only place I've ever worked.
0: And, and you've spent, how long have you been with cat now?
2: Uh, going on 19 years.
0: That 19 is a years.
2: short resume. Yeah, that is a short resume with a long job history.
0: You know what? I, I tell you number one on his resume is being fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> that was cards against humanity for the Just audience. Like your
2: grandma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the beauty of this game is the audience net, Like no one can see us. And so the audience is just like,
1: where are they pulling these terms from? Like, so we didn't talk about what is it the first one to get rid of all the cards wins, and what do you win?
2: Well, so this by the end of it, yeah,
0: this is the game. The game is evolving. We tried it for the first time last round, and so it was. It started with let's see if we can get rid of them. What we quickly found out is it was a race to the bottom, and so, so then we chewed through them. I'm thinking.
2: It's just something that's entertaining.
0: I think it's one of those things where as it develops, I think what it needs to turn into is you only get five and, and maybe we get a little stupid ass trophy that we pass around at the end of every episode. And it's whoever works their card in of your five cards, whoever has the smoothest intro to the card gets the trophy at the end of the show. Like I I think that's what we would do. Otherwise it's just going to be a constant like back and forth with, with, with terms.
3: I think it. I mean, me personally, I think somebody you, you should, like you said, try and slide them in as good as you can. Yep. But the guy who doesn't get through gets a punishment. Oh, one hundred percent.
0: There should be yeah. a punishment. And Tony, since you're here, why don't why don't you help us spitball? Like, what could the punishment be? Because if someone or multiple people don't get through their cards, there one hundred percent has to be a punishment.
1: I really think Rick should eat a whole box of Lunchables. Ooh. I do. Instead like-
3: of me just being here, fat and stupid i want a real prize <laughs> i feel like i'm becoming a blueberry <laughs> see this is a problem we had last time is yeah, it just true. starts to it roll just got so and fun and yeah, it's like, not it's not smooth anymore the only thing you're thinking about is is how I, can i eke it in how can i use this yeah, so but much for
1: that beautiful resume i just gave Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, go, going back to that resume with your selection thank you rick not by choice right you went to the funeral you got a Oh, I wouldn't say by choice. It just happy stance. Well, you, yeah. You were Didn't know right much there. about the industry, I,
1: I, this side of the industry. We, Greg asked me the question before we started. I can tell you that for my interview, I was fully prepared to interview with Caterpillar Incorporated. I knew everything really? about the CEO at the time. I knew about their market share. I knew all the financial information because the reality is that's, that's what I studied and thought I was somewhat smart at it. And I walked in and uh, the president at the time introduced me to the owner. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Wow. <laughs> kind of threw me for a loop. So, yeah. I didn't realize the distribution model for Caterpillar. Didn't realize that most dealers are, are privately held. There's three publicly traded companies, but they're all independent of Caterpillar. So, in um, my only experience with, with equipment, I mean, I worked as a laborer, I worked as a brick paver, ran a skid steer, ran a, a a dozer for a little bit grading lots for the the home builder. I mean, it was terrible work, but just pushing dirt around. But I didn't really know a ton about excavators, bulldozers, wheel loaders. So you were just in it to be in it. I just, I knew that I knew that the industry itself is something that I was attracted to. I mean, at the time I was looking at a lot of uh, project management jobs, Toll Brothers, Pulte, home building was booming at the time. So that's really what I was going after. Uh, And then I realized that this was a pretty good fit for,
2: for something that, that I was
1: interested in that, Know, could relate a little bit to my degree, and here we are.
2: So, what was your interview back then like versus today? As far as well, he hasn't interview in interviewed since, <laughs> since 2000. <laughs> so, like, your interview back in the day, you went in, you shook the owner's hand, you met everybody, president at the time, yeah, Bill Present. Hodges. Was it very formal? Uh, you know, he, he is a
1: grizzled veteran uh i i felt very comfortable not sure if that was just because i was dumb and it was the only a second interview i've ever been on yeah but i surely didn't have nerves at the time uh but it was a really really calm i mean i i remember bits and pieces of it and he made me feel very very comfortable it wasn't it wasn't a um i don't think he was looking to stump me you know okay. he he was he was in the business for a very long time a uh, very very smart man uh so it, it was very very cordial you know it was very I don't know. I can't remember
2: anything that was that that put me under the gun. So, what's the interview process like now for a new guy walking in? Is it just as cordial Is it a little more <sighs> intense? How's uh, things changed? There's a lot of layers now yeah. in there. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's
1: that's right where my mind went. I mean, yeah. I can think the last couple people that we hired. Uh, it, it's more of a process. I mean, I I think I think our our model is to 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 hire pretty slow, and and that's not a good thing sometimes. You know, talent's really hard to get right now. Yeah, but we're pretty particular about it. Uh, we look at it as a you know, we hire people, they're going to retire at this company. Um, so we're very selective about that. And I can think of the last, the last interview that gentleman went through, we got a really strong candidate from outside the industry and he went through, I think six interviews. Wow. And it's with different, different parts of our our company. And, and that's really, I think where we're at as a company is, and as a, as a leadership team is there's a really strong amount of trust within us. So we're almost protective and we want to make sure that the other parts of our business, our product support folks. I mean, this, this gentleman interviewed with our product support team as well, so which wasn't directly related to the job he was interviewing for, but really to see if it was a good fit because we'd s- so much interact with them. So yeah, it's, it's a grind. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's a, model, it's a grind, you it's don't a grind on both anymore. sides. It, it yeah. is. I feel like we've gone so far, uh, insulating upper management, the, the key decision makers from that process that you're almost, Losing valuable candidates because they get so bogged down in the process. You know, yeah. if it takes me six interviews with you guys to hire in, but your competitor down the road, it only took two or one, or, or one. Yeah, in my mind, that's uh, and that's a difficult road to trudge through. Yeah. Right.
2: What do you look? What are you guys looking at for? What's your ideal candidate if they're going to go through a model that they're going to retire here? What are you looking for in a candidate from your perspective,
1: Rick? I can tell you what what I look for. Um, and it's Perfect. just, it's just, it's just person, the culture of the person, mm-hmm. um, the core values of the person. I, I feel that we can train anybody, anything. And, and that's a little bit tougher with our industry. And that's what I think folks that have came, we're, we're at a point now where we're, we're, we're growing, um, we're growing both directions, you know, up and out with the different businesses. You talked about the backs, Greg, I mean, yep. just all the different areas that our business is going and it's really hard to find folks from within and we're trying to, we always try to promote with, from within first, but we're finding that with our growth, uh, we're, we've had more mid-career hires than, than I've ever seen, which is great because they're bringing a different perspective to things. Um, it's 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 really, it's, I mean, I look at the leaders that I, that I work with and, and we all kind of came from the same cloth. We're all salesmen. We all have been with the company for 15, 20, 30, 35 years. You know, we all think alike, we all act alike, and it's just good to get that different Different look on things. All
0: overcompensating.
3: I I gotta. I do have a question. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
3: Does everybody that works for Michigan Cat have that little kid inside of them that's like, I still love Tonka toys.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. We're all big kids playing the sandbox. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, and I, that's that's the cool thing. And we just had a, a, a learning and development HR gal that that started, and she's super excited, and she's awesome personality, and has brought a ton of energy. But I think when you come from without outside the company, and then start to look around and realize what we do. And you don't realize how many tractors and bulldozers <laughs> you drive by every single day until you're really in it. And, and the one thing that I can say too, is I think what's really fortunate about our industry is you sit around a, a Christmas table at a at a holiday function for the industry or for outside the industry. And you go around the table and this person's in medical device, this person's in financial services. And this person says, yeah, i sell tractors and bulldozers. And everybody asks questions about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not that, that, not like? that what what's everybody that like? else yeah. does isn't yeah. cool, but every single person is like, really? Do you get to drive them? Do you get to play on them? I mean, it's, it just sparks that kind of interest. And and I think that's really the, the coolest thing about, about it. Yeah.
0: it yeah. Isn't it incredible that if we continue to come back to this common theme, either on this podcast or on the Diesel and Iron Channel. It's incredible to me that, that everyone starts out and, and keeps this fascination with heavy equipment, with construction, with being outside with hammers and nails. And yet we somehow only end up with two to 5% of our kids coming out of school that genuinely go into a trades oriented profession.
1: Well, and that's why, you know, I appreciate what you guys are trying to do is, is glamorize or at least uh, make the trades more accessible. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of what we talked about at the global operator challenges is we need more of that. And that's, that's part of it. I mean, I look at, I look at, you know, I graduated in in the late nineties. I grew up on the East side and I had wood shop, metal shop, welding.
0: Good luck getting those today.
1: Well, I I have brothers that graduated two and and five years after me and the mills took that away and they weren't there. Yep. And the reality is at that point, now there's still vocational schools that are available, but they're off campus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got to get on a bus at nine o'clock and go there. Yep. And unfortunately there's a stigmatism that comes with that. Yes. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's bad kids. And right. Even if you have an affinity for it and you have support, you have that stigmatism why you might not want to go there. And that's what really needs yes. to change. And you look at the, I mean, it, it's by no means an easy career. You know, you look at the bodies that break down over time uh, in the biggest challenge we have right now is mechanics. Yeah. And I don't think that the crop that we hired over the last five years are going to, are going to retire 45 years as a mechanic, yeah, and that's why it's even more important because we're going to have that attrition. We have guys; I can think of five guys right now out of uh, Macomb, Novi, and Brownstown, so our Metro Detroit stores that are are plus forty years. Yeah, wow. And, yeah. and 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 it's I mean, there's not much we can do at this point to try to retain them because oh, they've worked their ass off for a long time; they deserve to retire. But what can we do to try to harness that knowledge? Because yes. those guys didn't sign up to to. To plug a computer into a machine and use et right. That's why they didn't go into into a different exactly. Business. They
0: they wanted to work with their hands, not with but a computer. The carnal
1: knowledge that they have is so amazing. Yeah, um, and that's why we're trying to find ways to to harness that and and to 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 mentor and shadow and and develop the younger folks because they we're in, out of the fifteen guys that we hired this year. Five of them are probably going to last. Yeah, I hate to say that. Yep, and then out of the ten that are remaining. Five of them are probably not going to be in that role 15 years from now. And so why is that? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. No, I'm not saying, but, but I think it's just, just they, quit, they understand that the, the, the rigors on their body that it's going to have. And, and they see some of the older, older folks.
3: So what you're saying is they're going to try and get out of the field and maybe move into a mechanics <laughs> advisor. supervisor, role. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: but then, exactly. then that Greg, that poses other challenges because these guys make pretty damn good money and gals, right? Yeah. And then at what point, you know, you have to identify that early and, and start to have that conversation and start to develop. I can think of, of, of one individual specifically that, that made that leap of faith and, and took a pay cut. Yeah. Because over time, union scale, I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're union, but knew that I think he had more long term trajectory going on the other side of the business. And he's done fantastic and he's got a really high potential. But when you start to manage your household, <laughs> start to manage your budget, you manage your lifestyle off of that. And then it's it's not too far before those folks are making more than than that that next step or that that supervisor. Yeah. Just because of the scale. And, and yep. I'm not saying they don't deserve it, but that's the challenge of how we manage it.
0: So it's interesting. Uh, I went on another podcast earlier this week, Dirtbag. So for, for those of you listening, if you haven't heard the Dirtbags podcast, I'd highly recommend you go check it out. Um, I was talking with the guys on there and, and we were kind of discussing one of the common tropes that's thrown out there is this new generation doesn't want to work. It's not worth anything. And I've done a lot of thinking on that because especially with the diesel and iron channel, I get, I get thousands of contractors that comment with that exact thing. These kids don't want to work. They don't want to work. And as I started thinking about it, it actually makes total sense that none of the kids that we're seeing come into the trades want to work. It's very few. I need to give credit there. There are some kids that really do want to work but if you think about it, we've we've structured the education system to where you have two options. You can take the option of success, Tony. If you have driving, you want to be successful, you can go to college. If you don't want to be successful, you can go into the traits. And so what we've done is we've created the system to where every kid that has drive, every kid that wants to work and wants to put their nose to the grindstone, naturally they go to college because why would why would I choose the path of failure that's been put in front of me? I have to be successful. I'm going to go take my drive and I'm going to, I'm going to make some serious money. And so we created this system to where you get a few kids that genuinely, legitimately want to be in the trades. They want to be a mechanic. They want to be a dirt guy. They don't care what the guidance counselors say. They don't care what their parents say. They don't care what the teachers say. I want to go do this. But that's the tiny percentage. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of the kids that we're seeing are the kids that don't have any drive. And that's why they went into the trades is because I don't know, I don't want to go to college. I don't like school. I don't yeah, want to have- do anything on it. And so I think the majority of the kids that we're seeing are the kids that don't have the drive. It's the fallout because we've naturally created, we've not naturally, but we have artificially created this screen that's going to sort out all the kids with drive and all the kids without drive. And, and by far the ones that are falling through are the ones that don't have drive and
2: they're coming to the trades. But we start selling debt Coming out of eighth grade, when they come into ninth grade, they go. Well, what do you want to be? You got four 100%. More years. One hundred percent. It's
0: a money-driven system. One hundred percent.
2: But they quit recognizing them back in middle school, coming into high school, that these kids, they were wrenching, they were playing with building blocks, they were moving dirt, they were building sandcastles, they were like building forts in the backyard. Yeah, there were so many things that we stripped away from them instead of adding more building blocks to these individuals as they grow up, instead. As a whole, we just start selling bad debt coming into ninth grade. Well, what do you want to be? How do you want to get there? Instead of going, well, look at all the doors and look at all the avenues down a blue collar. A lot of these people are really just happy in what they do. And then just like how you got in the trades and all of us, there's so many doors behind the first door that people don't see when you open up that door. There's 12 more doors behind it. Yeah. They don't see the chain
3: people don't explain when you get into the trades, at least they didn't explain it to me. I had to kind of feel my way through it was, you know, you can be a plumber, you can be in the guy in the trench, but then if you get good at what you're doing, you can become a project manager then a superintendent. Yeah. Once you become a superintendent, then you have a hybrid job. You still have to be out in the field or a working superintendent. And you also have to be able to manage you know, manpower, uh, material, so on and so forth. And those are, much better paying jobs than the guy that's digging the ditch. So there's room for growth in all of them, but nobody ever explains that at a young level. Yeah, well, And
2: I think with the Never. world being so instant anymore with the way the phones are, the instant gratification happens now, just like Amazon. I could go shopping today. It's there tomorrow. Instead of the building blocks of you're going to start at the bottom and you're going to make X and you're going to slowly work your way up to this lifestyle. Like it's just not shown. Yeah. Right. You go from being a labor to, you know, here's this equipment operator that's driving this brand new jacked up super duty. Yeah. Like that's all you see, but you don't see the years, the building blocks. And it don't matter if you're working at Michigan Cat or you're working for one of us. It doesn't matter where you start. There's still building blocks in a structure that you have to go. Like you said, you could train anybody. Yeah. So you're looking for the right
3: avenue. So instead yeah. of silence over there. I figured I'd ask you, <laughs> does Michigan Cat work the same way? Can you come into an entry level job and get on the job training to yeah. get move up the food chain? It doesn't require quote unquote a college degree. Sure. You can start at the bottom sweeping floors and the next thing you know, you know, through time you could be management and so on and so forth.
1: I'm gonna answer that question. I got a couple of reactions to the comments before. Oh, you. yeah, so by all means. Drive is one thing that that's that hasn't been the challenge that we've seen. I mean, these these folks are hard, hard working gritty individuals the challenges that we've seen are more of getting out of that comfort zone of of the the, the two jobs that I see that we had the least folks that are thriving to get to that used to be the, uh, the holy grails are salesmen and field techs. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I think it's that getting out of the comfort zone. So yeah. we're not seeing as many people that want to go in the field. That used to be you know, f- folks desired that, driven for it. You know, that was their goal. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with it, it before I make this comment. But, but what it came out as is you're on call. Yep. You're in an uncontrolled environment. You know, yes. you're out in the cold. You don't have support. You don't have somebody to walk into an office and ask for, hey, I, you know, what do I do here? You're on an island. And, and a lot of the similar things, and I'd say it's more apparent in the field techs than it is the sales folks, but we're seeing the same thing there. We're yeah. seeing less folks that are really designed for that role and it's, that's okay, but it, it really narrows our pool. Um, so that's a challenge to Rick's comment, that instant gratification. <laughs> I, I chuckled when you said that, I mean, we're seeing that a ton with, with a lot of the the new hires we have is they've been in the job for six months. Hell, oh, they're not even fully trained yet. They're not up and running and they want to know what their next job is. And I just, yeah. I just laughed. But the reality is, you know, it, in my first reaction is what did, what did the generation say? I, I, I got a feeling we're all similar in generation. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you they said the same thing about us, right? These sure. guys don't want to work. You know, they're, they're lazy. They're, yeah. they're soft. So I think that's just a generational issue. Absolutely. But circle back to your question, Greg, uh, we have really, really reduced our qualifications and it's, it's tough, but that's, that's what we've been reduced to is you used to have to have a diesel tech school accreditation. Yep. You know, we have Think Big program and we, we will help folks get through that. But that used to be the qualifications to be hired.
3: That was the minimum standard.
1: Hell yeah. yes. Now it's, what do you do on the weekend? Right. Yeah. You work on dirt bikes? Yeah. Cool. Okay, we'll put you in the wash bay. We'll see if you can, you know, if, if, if you can work. Right. We'll see if you can get along with people and then we'll start you with lubes and we'll, we'll work you up.
3: And, and, and that's, that's awesome. That's,
1: that's what we've had to do.
3: But those also make some of the best employees you're going to get. Somebody who started from the bottom. I mean, I started from the bottom and I worked my way all the way up, you know, and I've found kids who have started at the bottom and worked their way. They know the job, but they already, you know, there's no second guessing whether what step comes first because they already know because they've lived it. They've, they've done every step and those are usually the employees that I get the most production out of at the end of the day.
0: Sure. It, It was interesting too. So in that same podcast, uh, these are two younger guys early, maybe mid twenties. So that younger generation, I did think it was very interesting because I, t- I try to stay away from the generational tropes, you know, mm-hmm. this younger generation's worthless. They're sure. soft. Well, because there is a lot of that generational aspect. Um, but it was really interesting because both of them actually made the comment that their generation was very entitled. And, and I do feel like that is a major factor that is playing. That's that's one of the major factors that is playing into uh, some of those kids not getting into the trades or wanting to start at the bottom. And that's specifically what they were talking about is kids just don't want to start at the bottom. They, they have this expectation that they're just going to go right out there and they're going to be right there in the excavator like they've been doing it for the last 20 years. Sure. And so I did think it was some interesting perspective because I hate to go there as the old guy in the room. Now I hate to be that guy. Well, you're, you're just entitled, but to hear their, their generation actually come forward with that. It's like, okay, so there is a little bit of recognition that there is some entitlement. Now, is that the core problem? In my mind, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Does it play into it? 100% because the trades as hard work. Oh, we're the ones that got to adjust though. (laughs) I yes. mean that's the challenge. That like, is, we have yes. to adjust. We yes. have to adjust
1: our way of thinking. We, we have to just. I, I I can tell you that there is a very um very large underground contractor that I had this conversation with recently. Yeah. And uh, passionate by. By heritage, how's yes. that? I'll say that. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and he talked about how you just can't yell and scream at at folks in the no jobs because has. they'll just pick, they'll pick walk their up? lunchbox up yep. and they'll leave. they leave. They won't
3: even <laughs> pick their lunch lunchbox up; they'll just leave. <laughs> yeah, they don't, that, they, they don't even call for their paycheck; they're yeah. just gone.
1: Yeah, that's, and that's yeah. and that's why I say it's up to us to adjust. And it's it's fine. I mean, I'm sure there was conversations about me when I started, and, and, and all of us because we are that next generation. But yes. the challenge is, it's 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 what we all need to work with. Uh, we need to recognize that, and and I think you mentioned with the the holiday decoration you got kids obviously so we see the way that sports are we see the way that school is we see that yeah. you know it's never it's never the child's fault that they're not performing it's always the teacher's fault yeah. and, and yeah. it's it's just a challenge and you know i look at it as it's just it, it's a lower bar to to make sure that we set our 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 kids up to to succeed in so,
3: i i have noticed in the younger generations at least my kids age my youngest who's 14 15 now there's a little bit more of this personal responsibility that was kind of missing when my daughters were in school. Like if he lost a game, it was like, Oh, it's okay. Everybody <laughs> wins. Oh, well, now there's a, my, my son was wrestling and there's a little more, you either win or you lose. And I'm like, wait a second, where did this come from? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's starting to come back. I yeah. think they kind of recognize that they might have overstepped Too the boundary. far. <laughs> <laughs> like, we got to reel this in just a little bit. Not everybody can win. Some Participation, participation <laughs> trophy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Now now they all get a snack, yeah. and then the winner actually gets the trophy, but everybody gets a snack. So let me so, ask you this. You, I noticed a little dial back. Yeah. You, you had that
0: conversation with your contractor. In your mind, and this is totally your opinion, not representing anything, anyone, uh, how do you break to this younger generation because at the end of the day you can't get into the trades with this expectation of being treated like you've been here for 15 years and and go run the excavator day one Mm -hmm. and so in your mind how do you kind of work with this generation to baby step them through that gently hey you gotta put in your time you gotta start on the shovel
1: uh, I, I mean, that's not obviously my role. I'm sure. not putting somebody in a trench to, sure. to set pipe, but I look at how I can translate that into our world. And yeah. it's, it's it's starting. You know, like I mentioned with Rick's comment earlier, is hiring the right people. Yeah, you know? and that's that's a, a crapshoot. Yeah, seven out of ten to me is you're doing pretty good. Yeah, um, but it's 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 trying to get to the core values of of the individual, and then setting the right expectations. Yep, and then really it comes down to communication. Yeah, and it's it, you know I I don't have that contractor style of communication. Yeah, I don't, I don't get worked up too much, um, but it's, it's, it's having those constructive conversation. It's, it's, it's in, everybody's different. You know, that's the thing is it, the folks that report to me, everyone's motivated differently. Everybody reacts differently and it's learning how to, to communicate with them differently. So that's, that's how I'd look at it. You know, I, Greg's comment about starting people up and growing them through the business. Well, you, that's on us to, to identify that right away if they have the potential asking, what do you want to do? Yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with saying, I want, I want to set pipe. I want to be in the trench. I want to check grade. Okay. And then that's not, you know, that could change in 10 years. You pop out three kids, you, you might need to make a little more dough, yeah. so, but, but it's, that's, you know, that's how I look at it. And that's a comment I made earlier about the technicians is, is recognizing that maybe they want to do more than just wrench. And and if they don't hell. I'm good with that. Yeah, we absolutely. It. Right. But it's it's starting that dialogue and making sure they know. Like <sighs> we've been putting a lot of focus. Um, and I give give my boss a ton of credit for it because it hasn't really been our mo for 20 years. But we've been t- putting a ton of emphasis over the last two years into giving tools and resources, learning and developing, because we just haven't done that. You know, absolutely. we've become a really big company, but we haven't put a whole lot of equity into that. Yeah, because everyone's just. I mean, I can tell you that. When I started selling in two thousand and five, it was here's your keys, here's your price list. Yep. Yeah. That was the training that I got. Yeah. And that was fine. I mean, it worked out all right, I think. Sure. But but it's now it's training on soft skills. You know, it's communicating. I can tell you that I've learned a ton about myself over the last two years from this. And it's it's more personality style training. And it's I think it's helped the way we communicate uh, with each other. It's helped the way that we look at hiring folks, you know, trying to hire somebody that's a little bit different than than the way I am. So that those are the things that, you know, I think it's not a one-size-fits-all, but but those are the things that are, are important.
3: In the sales aspect of it, I've noticed, at least whenever I've looked at equipment, bought equipment, whatever, there's two types of salespeople anymore. There's the guy who wants to communicate strictly via email, and then there's the person-to-person. Are you finding the person-to-person salesman anymore, are they harder and harder to find?
1: Uh, I, I don't have a challenge with that. Um, I think the challenge, Greg, is on the customer side. You yes. know, what I always tell people is, you communicate the way that you you respond the way you're communicated to. Yep. And hell, we got. I I never did this. I stopped selling in two thousand at the end of two thousand fifteen. I never sold a machine without sitting up across from somebody. Right. We yeah. have folks that are selling machines through text message. Yep. yep. And there's nothing wrong with it. That's the way that 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 customer wants to communicate. Uh, I think it's three years ago now. Caterpillar started an initiative to. Put machine prices and sell machines online, and we kind of laughed when they did it. We're like, "There's that's no way." Perfect. We've sold a machine online. Someone went and put a very expensive machine in their cart. Now they can't pay for it. Right. So that's well. I mean, you can't. You think about the dollars, right? But you 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 basically go through the process like you're buying a TV through Amazon, and then what that does is that generates something to us saying, "All right, Greg just said he wants to buy a two fifty nine. Yeah. Yep. Let's call him and see if it's real. In, yeah. In the first four, like. <laughs> Didn't pan out. But the fifth <laughs> one, somebody bought a machine right? Yeah. and I was just yep. waiting for it, you know? And, and
3: that's what I was kind of asking you. We're getting there. Yeah. yeah. We're getting there. Yep. That, when my wife bought her first car online, I was like, this is insane. I wouldn't be afraid yeah. of
1: it. You know, I, yeah. I I bought a vehicle in 2020 and I, I looked online and I would have done it, but I just couldn't find the, the right vehicle. But you know why would I be any different as a consumer? No,
3: this, we had a Jeep built and then yeah. they shipped yeah. it right to us, and I was like, "This is insane." You'd never talk to anybody. This never. this
0: was the exact topic of a a fairly heated discussion with my previous employer about sales style, and um, and that was consistent with all the salesmen I talked to. Is we were all finding no one wanted us in their office. Mm-hmm. They would get irritated when you showed up at their office. You're you're cutting into their work time, their time of creating value for their business. They don't want to just chat with you. Now, if I want a piece of equipment and you happen to catch me at the right moment, 100%, I'll have that conversation. Don't just walk into my office with a package of donuts like you used to do back in the day and expect to take up 45 minutes of my time. I don't have that time. And so that was really interesting because it was very obvious as a sales guy that, that the sales game had changed. And like you just stated, it wasn't the salespeople that were driving that change. It was the customers. Yeah. We were simply responding.
1: Yeah. We, we definitely haven't made a conscious effort. Now I can tell you that there's been an evolution and I've seen it in my career uh, of, of how we go to market and how we our our strategy. And it's, it's really started, you know, I, the, 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 the analogy that I use, it's mostly internal when I'm talking to folks uh, outside of the sales team is, you look around the room and say, "Hey, when's the last time that you bought anything over two hundred and fifty dollars from your household that you didn't know exactly what you were buying?" And let's say you you didn't buy it online. You walked into Best Buy, dishwasher, TV, whatever it is. When's the last time you walked in and said, "Mr. Salesman, which which TV do you recommend?" You went and did all the reviews. You looked at prices. You knew exactly. Now you might yeah. ask a few questions, and that's really what's changed in our business. Is in yeah. this, and I I I will admit it. It, it changed as I was selling is the accessibility to information online. You know, we used to, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the operator's handbook, that big, thick thick
2: book, the one that don't get pulled out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: that's, that's really what, what you as a consumer used to need out of us as a salesperson is I'm going to dig this deep. I'm going to trench this long. I'm going to set this, this much pipe. What machine do I need? Well, you don't need that anymore. No. Which means you really don't need that salesman for that anymore. No. So, so it used to be more of a reactive, you know, and, and, and we're fortunate with the brand that a lot of folks came to us and I'll be the first to admit that, but that's what they were coming for is that knowledge. Well, as soon as mid 2000s, late 2000s, when all that information is, is online, mm-hmm. you don't need that salesman. Yeah. And, and the folks that I will say have adapted the most are the most successful now. 100%. And our, our the folks on our team that have adapted the least are kind of dying on the vine because yeah. they haven't changed go-to-market strategy. So that's really been the biggest focus for us is just how we're approaching the market, how we're, how we're going to going to our customers and, and, and seeking out those needs because, you know, folks that have sold for 30, 40 years hadn't need to done that.
0: It was interesting. I found that, um, my role as a salesperson in the equipment side was timing. It was all about timing. I, I had to do tiny touches several times a year with you. Was that a cards from humanity right there? No, it should be though. I feel like it should be, but no, it was just, you know, just a quick phone call. Hey, Tony, I don't need any of your time. Just, Hey, when's the next time you think you're going to be in the market for a piece of equipment? Yeah. You know what? Call me in six months for a skid. You got it. And now respectfully, I have, I valued your time. I have not kept you on the phone. And so next time when I call, I always found that you're willing to pick up my phone call. Cause you know, I'm not going to waste your time. I'm just going to check in on you and then I'm going to go away. Sure. And what happens is eventually you get to a point where you go, Hey, Tony, you told me in about six months, you're looking for a skid. Are you at that point now? And it may be, no. Okay. I'll call you in another two or three months. But a lot of times it was, yeah, what do you got? Okay. Well, if you got a couple minutes to talk, now we can talk. My, my role was simply to be there when the time was right. And then write up the paperwork. Sure. Because like you said, everyone's done their research. Everyone's done their homework and the guys who haven't, it might be on the fence. That's where I get to go to town as a salesman a little bit. But other than that, I am simply there as a resource for you and I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. And I found that was key as a salesperson because I can tell you right now, being on the consumer side now, salespeople right now, good luck getting a call back from the majority of them. Yeah. That's, that's the sad truth. And so, I found that I was way above my competition if I was just there to answer the phone when you called me or if I just happened to call you when I told you I would because you told me you'd be looking for a machine. And the fact that I followed up when I said I would, right there was a step in the right direction of forming a relationship where you trusted me. Absolutely. And that was, I mean, it sounds really stupid and simple and it really was when I put it into practice. But man, that that blew a lot of minds. That's what the sales game has turned into for, for a lot of it in the equipment industry, just because people know what they want.
2: Yeah, yeah but being in the industry, I can't stand when somebody's going to sit there and hound you. Yes. You know, I don't mind a salesman stopping out once in a blue moon, driving by, say hi. But like when you're in the midst of the trenches and you're just covered in mud, they're like, hey, so you want to buy this PC 130? <laughs> and you're like... <laughs> You want to give me a hand right now? We can talk about it at the end of the day. Or <laughs>
3: here's a shovel. You know, we'll a talk yeah. later. There's yeah. a
2: time and place for it. But yep. I kind of do like, as Tony was talking about, going back to the more prices online. How many dealerships, like looking at pickups or whatever, I roll through in the afternoon when no one's there just so I could have time to myself to take a look. Mm-hmm. And there's pricing on the window. Yeah. If I'm interested, I walk over and I look. <clears throat> Versus 10 years ago, it was like, chicken flock just coming right at you you get out you you would see them so i'd hurry. i'd really just started like the far end of the parking lot just so i had to walk there and then i just start slowly going through just to stay one up above them and look what i'm looking for and out the door i go so things have really changed more to the online presence the respectful of somebody's time the courteous like so I think a lot more going back to even before uh, the younger generation coming in now with all the new software and with all the data collecting that they could do, they're starting to be able to pinpoint at certain times because a lot of the salesmen, like you said, used to show up with coffee and donuts. Yeah. It's probably turned in more to, well, how about we have dinner now? Because it's more of the afternoon because a lot of the guys are in the trenches, right? They're out there taking care of business now because they're running short-handed. Yeah. So- with that being said, how do you guys take this approach with a new guy that's en- entering into the sales force? Like, what are they supposed to be looking for these days? Looking for as far as what? Just like in the clientele. Goblins. Um, I
3: can tell you my experience <laughs> with their company is, and, and I, it was great for me, honestly. A uh, guy shows up here. He's like, hey, you know, this is where I'm from. This is what I do, blah, 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 blah. I had no idea that. You guys dealt in vac trucks? I had no idea.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Stop by. He's like, hey, you need anything? Give me a holler. I was like, cool. So he dropped off a little brochure that had everything that they had But in the key it. there
0: is he didn't waste your time. No, he didn't waste my time. He presented himself Good. as a resource.
3: Well, that week, I think we rented a big, giant diesel pump from you guys. <laughs> I was down there for oh, service. Yeah. I needed... Uh, a pressure washer wand that you guys say it was just like had i not known that if somebody wouldn't have just breezed in here and said hey this is what i do this is where we're at you need me holler yeah i would have never you know that old school salesmanship worked
1: well greg and i can tell you we have so much room for growth within our company alone just because of all the different business units and the entities and the solutions we have you know one of my biggest fears has been um we have six different people calling on you Mm -hmm. right now yeah, what, what you just talked about, you got underground shoring and pump, you yep. got our engine division, you yep. have our hydro division, you have our McAllister Reynolds, and you have Michigan yep. cat. Yep. And if we're not communicating effectively, you know, I, I'm worried that you get to the point of, Hey, Nick was here yesterday. You know, Greg's here today. How many of you guys do I have got to talk to in a week if they're not communicating. And that's where the biggest room for growth we have is just the, our, our internal communication through CRMs and making sure that we're effectively calling on, on our customers. And that means not calling on them too much to the right. point where right. how many of you folks, why aren't, why aren't you talking to your teammate?
3: Like I said, I had a great experience. It worked out great for Good. me. Um, it was that old school salesmanship that worked for me. You know, some people don't work like me They're Hey, send me an email and send me this, send me that. I'm not that way. Yeah. And no. I know you're not either. Rick. Well, no, Rick, I,
2: I like to talk to people. It just, it's, I'm more of a PM kind of guy. If you try to catch me first thing in the morning, when everything's,
3: chaotic chaotic oh, it's,
2: you know there's no there's no room until maybe three four o'clock in the afternoon for someone like me yep it's it's and to
1: answer your question it's learning
2: learning your customers learning what their timing is learning
1: what they want and, and bringing value you know it's yeah don't go out there and try to show you know what are you buying today well i don't want anybody to sell a machine that you don't need that's not good for us
2: you know and that we went that we all went to lunch and talked about it a little bit but it would actually be fun to recap that a little bit Back when you were actually in the sales force and you were out selling equipment. Way back when? Way back Uh, in the uh, day. All my team says, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. So I can't, I don't feel like I'm qualified to answer these questions. (laughs) But go ahead. But there there was something that stuck out, which I feel like a lot of people have really went away from even today. But you never really tried to sell a piece of machine that somebody wasn't ready for.
1: That's a question that I have uh, our recruiters ask people. For a sales job is when did you talk somebody out of buying something? And that doesn't necessarily mean I want them to talk to you out of buying a machine. Correct. I want them to possibly talk you out of buying a new machine because you're a 250 hour a year guy. Right. It's a, it's a small excavator that you're just using for tie-ins.
2: And let's go Why down do that you need road a, a little bit.
1: Why do you need a new one? You know, what is the, ba- and, and, I say this, this current market is not the right time to have this conversation. Yeah, Just because of for supply. sale right now. But, <laughs> but in, in a freer supply, you know, it's it's having that conversation and in, in having a more consultative ac- approach to you is, hey, this one's going to cost you X amount of dollars per hour. You're going to run it for 6,000 hours as your life cycle. And that's pretty easy to determine. You just look at the other machines that you have and figure out how long are they typically running their machines for. Yeah. Right. And it's having that conversation say, Hey, you, you can buy a new one. And that's where I've had it. And ultimately it's your decision, but I'm going to give you some guidance and some insight on this might not be the best thing to buy for you as a new machine.
2: And I feel like that was a little bit more responsible just from you and representing the company, right? As you were almost keeping somebody from, I don't want to say failing, but taking the wrong step. Well, I can tell you that I've talked people into buying a smaller machine. Oh yeah.
4: Uh, That's where I went with that is 100%. This is the
2: challenge that we
1: have. And it's, it's gotten a little bit better with the, with some of this next generation where they're going to a different nomenclature system. Mm -hmm. But, and I had this conversation with a salesman before I came here uh, and I'll, I'll use a perfect example. Quarry and aggregate. 980s has always been, been the beast. That's been the machine that folks use. Yep. Uh, Face loading, hopper loading, truck loading. While well, you look at a 980G and a 980H, I, I, I say this, but I can support it. A 972M or Next Gen will outperform an 80G or an 80H. And it'll do it at 10 to 15% less cost per hour. Wow. So that's... But folks get into that mentality I that... I have to have I've it. always had a 980. And yeah. it's not just the owner. They're operators. It's a perception. This thing's too small. Yes. You know, I, I, I have... Literally, I've never done it, but I've thought about putting different stickers on the machine because it's you can't get over (laughs) that perception. I mean, we saw it with the three thirty sixes when they went to the E and the F series. uh, RPMs went down to fifteen hundred folks just didn't feel like it was a D anymore.
2: It wasn't performing. It didn't feel like it was a a three thirty six. Exactly. Yeah. Yep.
1: Cycle times were faster. Stroke was stronger pressures were you know everything was stronger about it at a lower rpm but it didn't sound like it and i would just tell him put on your headphones run it like it's a 235 and shut the hell up it, yeah. this thing is this thing is running faster but it's it's setting those expectations when you deliver the machine because once you get 50 hours into that now
0: see now that's we're getting tough. into it's
1: tough to change that perception a
0: very different conversation than we typically have in the show cuz typically we're we're geared very much towards the end user the trades guy but but we're starting to delve into kind of really the sales world and that is 100% that was so frustrating is is how much of the equipment sales process is subjective mm-hmm. it is if rick gets in a seat and he's already decided this machine sucks there's just about nothing you're going to do to to unconvince yeah. him of that
2: you ain't going to change nobody's mind if they're already opinionated, right? At the beginning. 100%. Yeah. And that was just man, that, that, as a sales guy,
0: that was so frustrating because you're like, dude, if you would just if you would just stop being yourself for a second. Mm-hmm. And just be objective. I will walk you through this and I will show you that this is a, I, you are taking a huge, I'm not even talking a small step. You're taking a huge step up from that old freaking beater that you've been running for the past 30 years but you were so convinced that this thing doesn't perform like the way that that did that you've totally written it off. and I can materially help you move your business forward, but you're just not going to hear me. And those are the ones that were just so hard to walk away from, but you had to, yeah.
1: there was no other option. Right. And there's a lot of onus on us um, to set up a machine properly.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Tire pressures yes. is
1: such a huge, yes. huge thing. Yes. Tire deflection on a, on a wheel loader and a heavy lift application on the front. You feel unstable. Yes. If you're not unstable. You got that rock. Yep. yep. But it's because you didn't, you didn't put the pressures to the right, you know, yep. and, and that's not yep. my shop's fault. That's the salesman's fault for, they're the ones that know the application. Every manufacturer, tire manufacturer has different, different pressures.
4: Yep.
1: L5 is different than L3. That's where you need to know these things and, and be that professional. Yeah. Uh, and, and I will say that, you know, this, it's not a knock on anybody because, things have changed so much you know you look at all the model and the nomenclature changes the performance changes and yes. that's where you have to get in it, 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 going back to the original point is that's that's where that comes in is in in the these refreshes of models have given you the opportunity to say hey do you know that the the 330 is not the 330 of the old that's really a 340 now you know 330 is closer to a 329 and what what are you doing and that's where i have the biggest problem when i get phone calls from our folks is if I ask those questions and they don't know it, it's, well, why don't you know this? You know, that should be the first thing you ask them. What tool? What application? How many hours? You know, that is the foundation of it. And when you start 100%. there, you know, you're building trust. You're building you're building some form of credibility because you're, you're asking somebody to tell you about what they do. And that, that always is a good way for people to start talking a little bit. I feel bit.
2: like a lot more of this newer equipment, you know, you could tell me the whole specs and the whole realm and everything else that runs like that is I'm more of a guy... That all sounds good and looks good on paper. I'll give you the specs of what I'm looking for, the attachments I want to be able to run, put it in your ball, your court, to tell, get me the right machine, pair me up with it, but then give me more than just a day to demo it. Like, here's a a day. Go ahead and tell me what you think about it. It Give me, like, two or three days to let me run this thing and put it through my paces and gauntlet, because, one, the rain day might have came up. I might only got three hours in the machine because, you know, life happens or you got to run somewhere else. And I physically want to see the new change. I want to see what's going to happen and watch it perform. Then we could go ahead and go back to talking to the specs, the price point, the new technology of, well, how much more efficient is this, Tony? Or what is this machine that I'm buying? Well, here's the booklet now. Let's dive into it. Let me let it see perform these days. Then let's go back to the book.
1: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll flip the script on you as a consumer and unwind this conversation. What we talked about with all this accessibility and this information online is there's also the side of the coin where you know more than we know. Correct. Whether that's real or perceived. So that was, and, 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 and that's, they, that's they a do. challenge too because yeah. you... you how much? How much faith are you putting into the person that's having the conversation that we just had for the last ten minutes? Saying, "Hey, this is this is my recommendation." Yeah. Are mm-hmm. you trusting that, or or what does it take to build
2: that trust with you? Yeah. No. You you pair up the machine. So to your point, like I'll tell you, I'm looking for X, and I and I want it to be able to lift this much, and I'm going to be running these attachments. Get me something that could run, whether it's a skid or. You know your little mini loaders or getting into an excavator. These are the attachments. This is what I'm doing. Then let me go take it and perform yeah. with it, right? And Bruce
1: in the pudding, right? It's, yeah, it's put it to work. And, and that's that's, the that's become thing. a challenge for us in this environment. Put them in the seat. All right, we're not demoing anything because we don't have equipment.
2: Everything we have is sold well, today. Today's market, it's is a just nutty unreal. time. Yeah, it and is that's why that, it. it's you can't even do the it these days.
1: Of, no, I know. But that that's been the biggest challenge is like, guys are selling machines without demos. So, so
2: so this
0: is where I have to hold your feet to the fire a little bit. That's true. What I promise you. You didn't promise me anything, I don't but, know, I did. Uh, but but, but having, I did. 39 yeah, yeah, well, right now. What it was. Well, having <laughs> been in the industry as a sales guy. You're going
1: to need to cut this cuz this is going to get me in trouble with my team. <laughs>
0: You know what? You, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> no, go ahead. You, you got to pay me off for a cut, though. I'm, I'm just joking. I, I, that's you know what? I, that There's just a occurred half a to of whistle me. One hundred percent. We we need to actually have a sign on the door that says, "If you need any edits, it's going to cost you a hundred bucks a pop." Yeah. So fine. for each five second edit. So anyway, well, give me a pen. <laughs> start no, making take marks. Anything. Go ahead. I'll answer it. <laughs> so my question is, uh, at my previous employer, uh, I was the only guy on the entire sales force that had ever truly run equipment. And the number of trainings that we had per year where salespeople legitimately got seat time in the machines was probably two to three, and you're talking 15 minutes of play time in the seat, not really doing anything substantial to show off the features of the machine, and then everyone goes home and pretends they learned something. What are you guys doing to train your salespeople, not just on the specs, not just on what the paper says, but legitimately having them in the seat to, to show them the functions and, and the features?
1: So I'm smiling because I, I, I'll give you my answer, but I, I look at it differently. <laughs> this is where the so, edit comes in. <laughs> no, not at all. No, no. I, and this is where I'll challenge anybody on our team. Okay. Uh, quarterly is, is pretty much what we've been doing. Oh, okay. And then we, on top of that, cat has spring training every year. Okay. Now what I can tell you is the, the most value that I got out of that. And this was early two thousands into probably right before the recession, um, was the, in the iron training. You know that was the best part of it yeah and it it wasn't as much of me i'm, I'm not an operator you right. know I, I i know how to i know how to run a machine i can't do it yeah but i can tell you whatever not today let me qualify this because i'm <laughs> i'm not in that role but when i was selling you know i would spend two hours in the machine before i brought it out to you yeah and i i've learned how i how i learn you know i'm a touch and feel guy i whip out the book the good thing is the book's Color books and crayons. It's all pictures. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would know what every button does. And if I didn't know, I'd tell you, I don't know. And I'd find out. And and that's why I laugh because it doesn't matter how much training we do. Right. We put, um, (laughs) this is going to get me in trouble. (laughs) We we gave every store, which, you know, houses anywhere from five, two to five salesmen. Yep. We give every store the tools. I I know you guys have had a little bit of experience with next gen excavators. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of calibration and it's the hardest thing. Yeah, We gave every, every store all the tools you need to calibrate. We got some stores, and that was 2017 when we first started selling them. We have some stores that have never used. Oh, I'm sure. Intentionally left the, the, yeah. the tape measure in the wrapper. Yeah. And they haven't used them. Yeah. So if they don't want to go out and learn from them, the accessibility, even with the demand we have right now and the supply constraints, we still got equipment that's sold in the yard. Yep. And no one is going to bitch... If you go sit in a customer's machine that they're buying. Now, I don't want you to put hours on it and wear the paint off the bucket, but we have machines in our yard every day. So if you're not going and taking the initiative to do that, then that's on that's on the individual. You know, sure. and that's what I say. We can train and train and train. We've got to the point where we've just left training as optional. If you don't want to be there, don't come. Yeah. Because you're just wasting everybody's time. Yeah. And the smaller groups you have, and we're letting the salesman lead uh, and we're letting them talk. And the more that we get communication out of it, the better it is because they're going to talk about here's how I sold against this machine, or here's what this customer received with you know when I when I demoed them this machine. Here's the challenges we had with this competition. Yeah. So that's that's really where the value is, and um, and we've been pretty consistent about it. I mean, yeah. we did we doubled down on that during the during the pandemic. Yeah. Because we had nothing else to do, and Cat did a really good job of that too. Um, they were having weekly trainings, and we figured now's the time. And and that's the challenge is we're always busy as hell. Yeah. We don't want to take people out of the field. Absolutely. You know our, our 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 teams spread all over the the state. Um, so we got to pull someone. Lansing's usually a very popular spot because everyone can drive two, two hours, even our, our Northern guys. Um, but that's, that's a challenge of it. So, and, and there's, there's a ton available and you know, I that's now this is pre kids and pre all the activities I have at night, but that used to be my time at night is I'd sit and read sales grams and it was fun. That, that wasn't work to me. That was just, yeah. you know, I'd prepare for the next day and I'd look at this and I'd research this and, and there's so much more, available now uh through videos through youtube you cat's know, got their youtube channel internally
4: yeah and
1: you can go look at walk arounds and and it's all you know i had this conversation last week with a couple of folks we had some visitors from cat and they asked how should we train and it was training internal salesmen training customers and i said videos 100 you know, i'm not a. am by admission i'm terrible at social media i suck at it i wish i was better I'm trying i just I don't think I'll ever be good at don't it. Don't bore me with a book. Well, I that's how people that. learn now. They scroll. And, and you know, I said two-minute videos. And, and especially these, these were excavator folks that were in. We were talking about all the features and benefits of next-gen excavators and all the technology. And train two minutes at a time. Train that, tr- you know, send a video out on eFence. Send a video out on Payload. And it's not only good for you, but it's good for our salesmen. Yep.
3: That's yep. how I learn everything I want to know about something. If yeah. I'm researching it, that's where I go. I YouTube. Definition I of the hustle. Start Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Whole, I get up in the man. morning, I eat a balanced <laughs> breakfast and then I, you know, start watching videos on what I, what, what I want to learn at that time. You know, like yeah. you said, payload, you know, what's the weight, what's the, you know, and there's videos on everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, I, I will say everything that's, that's sitting here, all, all of the video equipment, all of the audio equipment, 100% YouTube education, everything we've been doing with the diesel and iron channel, everything we've been doing sweat, with, with sweat and grime, it's YouTube education. It's a quick, easy-to-digest way to learn. It goes as shallow or as deep as you want it to because you can go find someone that, man, this guy really resonates with me. He's talking my language, and I'm going to go super deep on this video. Or, look, I need to know something super quick. I find this two-minute video, boom, got my thing, on with my day. Versus if I'm having to shuffle through a book, there's there's no quick way to shuffle around a book. Yeah, it doesn't have to be Scientology.
3: (sighs) Just tossing those babies out there. Yeah, since YouTube's came out, I pretty much just you know canceled my subscription to Men's Health. You can't tell. <laughs> Not at all. Not at
2: all. You know that's that's just the way that I th- believe the new generation has really changed for the better with all the technology and all the new tools that are we're all adapting to. I enjoy listening to the podcast. I enjoy listening to YouTube, or you could find those e-read books or whatever online, and you can listen to it. You don't have to sit there. I'm not going to put an eight-hour day into looking at a book, reading, researching. I'm not going to. When you could go right to Google or turn on something and get facts instant right now, they're talking about your interests or what you're learning today. Yeah. You know, are you guys doing that in-house? Or are you guys... Starting to make videos for your sales rep people?
1: Uh, yeah. So we have two really good certified dealer instructors um, and they go around and, the, you know, their job is to train you, whether it's on a demo, yeah. you know, we used to do that. You know, I, I mentioned when I was selling, um, one of our demo operators got hired shortly before I left the field, a couple of years, but typically that was, that was me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, could, I could think of some of the hairiest circumstances where I shouldn't have been on a machine and, you know, almost crashed something, but that was me unloading it. That was me going out and training it. So now we've taken that to a new level with someone that's been in a seat for 40 years. You know, that's done what you guys do. That's worked for Caterpillar in that capacity. Now came for us. And that's, that's brought a different level of professionalism. Um, so that's, that's part of it. And they have done some videos for customers and internally. But that's where I was pushing on Cat to say this is as much on you as it is on us, mm-hmm. and there has to be consistency through that, yeah. Uh, and there has to be an alignment and, and strategy on how we're doing it. But yeah, we're we're definitely definitely doing that, and we've looked at that as ways to train technicians. You know, that's the hardest thing with all. You look at the amount of change that's came since the it really it's forced by the emissions. You know, Tier Four Final yeah. and what's came after that, and we we have not kept up on training our technicians. And it's not that we don't want to do it, but we're full full utilization. We don't have enough text to service the machines and customers that we have. So, where do you fit in training, and what's the right way to do that? And and that's what I've looked at and suggested that as a way for that as well to be able to communicate in short snippets and get that. And uh, but it's it's the way of the future. I mean, it's you know I I think going back to fixing a sprinkler head. You know, sitting in my lawn, got my hole dug, and I'm looking at the Rainbird how to how to change this head and adjust it. It's, yeah. it's, it's how everybody does everything. Yes. And, and the, the challenge is that our industry is, is always lagged with technology. We're always behind. We're always, we're always behind the curve. And, and yeah. that's, I think the best way that we can, and it's, it's dual sided too. It's informing you as mm-hmm. a consumer and an end user and, and us internally as well.
2: I always think it's funny when a machine goes down it's always like ship out the mechanic, ship out a tech. And I'm thinking like the guy is coming out with the ball bearing or big old tools and just, he's going to fix it, you know, I'm and they come the out I, and they just plug in the laptop and I'm like, are you kidding me? That's what that, That's doing? it.
0: That's, that has become pretty much step the one. The standard? Yeah. For, I mean, it is the first thing you do because what you find is there's so many interconnected systems on these machines these days. That you may have something that that your old school tech brain saying this is one hundred percent this problem, mm-hmm. but the second you plug in the laptop, oh, it turns out it's a sensor way over here. There's
1: eight to twelve the, ECMS. I mean, the, uh, the, think yeah. about that. That's what you're you're getting. Yeah, yeah you've
0: got it. a sensor over yeah. here that's throwing a code that's making this do this and this do this and this do this and that's what's giving you the result that makes it makes it feel like it's missing, but it's not actually missing. It's because of this sensor over here. Yeah. I mean, you just you can't do anything without a laptop now. Well, what can you do on your pickup? Uh, it's getting just about that bad on the pickups too. Yeah, tires. No that's
3: thing. true. Well, <laughs> that's the
1: thing. It's just it's it's not.
3: We took one of our vehicles in because we thought I had a transmission problem. It was shifting all erratically, and we're like, "Well, I'll need- I'll take it to a trans shop." So we took it to a trans shop, and the guy's like, "Well, oh, love to put a transmission in it, but it actually needs this part in the motor. The motor wasn't delivering enough power, so the torque converter was like, I don't know what to do with this. It's not the right amount of power, so it would shift erratically." Huh. And it's like. Like you said, it's, it's one little thing not working correctly. So then the other systems can't work correctly. I would have bet my, I mean, I'm a pretty mechanical dude and I would have bet any money it needed a transmission. You were going
0: to say you were going to bet your left nut. You don't have to, you don't have to dress it up that much, Greg. Like, I
3: wouldn't bet my left nut,
0: boy. I I sure bet did, my it, right it, one, but it, not my left. It sure did sound like he was going there with
3: that one. No, I bet Greg. <laughs>
2: I bet both of them for him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now, what was you just sit back there and listen to Nickelback? And <laughs>
2: that's right. What's uh What's one sale that just sticks out in your mind back in the day when you were selling equipment? What's the just the one sale that just you remember from day one? Uh, so the,
1: the, I'll go with the first thing that hit my... I mean, this isn't from day one. This is fairly decent into my sales career. But um, gosh, I'm trying to think about how to say it without giving up any customer. <laughs> don't uh, church it up. Just I'm not, blurt I'm not, it out. It's fair. Uh, His name was John. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I'm going to lay it all out for you because I don't... I care, but I, I, Yeah. It, it's part of the process here. Yeah. yeah. So it was a um, customer that was... Scrapping rail cars.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: And I, I was at a point in my career where I really wasn't. My first territory was small in, in stature with equipment. It was all BCPCC. It was all small stuff.
0: It was you, North Oakland County. Would you say you would hit a glass ceiling? Uh, <laughs> I, that was about the only place I could burn that card. Yeah, that was, that
1: was weak, actually. <laughs> I, think, I think you just inherited my extra card for that. One.
4: <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> that was
1: that was the weakest play of the day so. Fair enough. I I will, I will but I don't out. think it was as weak so, as it was. what I'm getting ceiling. at is I didn't have a ton of experience in our bigger stuff. You know, I was selling my territory's North oakland County. I was selling a lot of a lot of skid steers, a lot of CTLs, a lot of a lot of mini excavators. And within that territory, you know, there weren't many scrap yards, there weren't many landfills, there weren't any gravel pits. Right. Uh there was a there was a, a rail
2: area. Okay.
1: And They want to scrap their rail cars and they want to do it themselves. So I said, okay, you know, we we looked at it and we kind of figured out the right tools for it. And some of those suggestions weren't taken and they, they had enough stature and they they definitely had enough supply of, of material to get in with a mill. And, and they, they made a, I don't know how much you guys know about selling to a mill, but they, they made a commitment to a mill which is really tough for an end user. Typically that's where the broker comes in uh, and they're pooling materials. Yeah. So they said we can supply X amount of, of tons and, and their, their product was phenomenal. I mean, you look at the spine of a rail car, that's the, the highest grade. Yeah. Can get. Yeah. So God, they got,
2: I would hope so coming down the track. Yeah. So they, so they, <laughs> they got about half,
1: they got about halfway through the project and I don't remember what their ton commitment was, but they were, they were maybe like a 10th of it starting to shit some bricks a little bit because once you once you don't deliver to the mill now you're there's you're, some financial
0: obligations on the back no, end of that but one.
1: You're, you're always going to pay peddler price yeah. from there on out that's gotcha. that's going to be gotcha. your, your problem because now they're you know that, that they're making a recipe to produce whatever cold rolled it, steel yeah. or whatever it is yeah. and you're screwing up that, that recipe. there's no
0: faith in what you can provide so yeah. got a
1: panicking call from them and i was spending a lot of time because it was fun for me you know it was big stuff it, yeah I, I was used to selling small stuff and
0: yeah, you're talking massive shears for taking down rail cars. Shears,
1: uh, material handlers. Yeah. So they they,
0: they, uh, they were up
1: against it and getting a little bit nervous and, and called me and went out there and uh, tapped on some of the, the folks that I had internally and, you know, a, a gentleman that's a mentor of mine and said, hey, he was a scrap expert. And I said, what do, what do we do? And he's like, I got the guy. Don't worry. So we had this meeting and I remember I was in coveralls. I was full of grease. You know, I, that was my MO. I just loved, part of it was I liked to do it, but I was out there. It was in the middle of the winter. It was cold. And we brought this, this gentleman up that was an expert. And you know, he is, he is one of the most savvy dazzlers of a communicator. And it's like, yeah, don't worry. It's like, you know, here's the deal. Here's what I want. Here's what we'll do. We'll be done in, in four days. And this guy's sitting there going, no way. He's like, all right, shook hands. You know, he came up, done in four days. You know, it just just the difference of of staying in your lane and know what you're doing. So I know right. that was nothing what you asked, but that's the
2: that is the <laughs> that first was, that was mean, totally but, on Tony he, with the opposable thumbs. Here's,
1: <laughs> here's the result. You know, we sold all the machines because yeah. of that. Because what what created out of that was a a long-term relationship. Because yeah. now it's hey, you give me the product, I'll I'll, I'll process it for you. They have the relationships. Obviously, he knew at that point what the what the mill pricing was, so they worked it in there, and, and right. there was mutually beneficial value out of it. But because of that, all those machines that we had out there, we sold to this individual. Yeah. So that's the, and that was really that was like my first big dollar sale. That's like
2: a saving grace kind of story for that situation. Well, well so I mean, he was going to sink. Yeah. That literally. that prompts another question. What was
0: your most uncomfortable, awkward moment on a sale? Like, we're not going for the win on this one. We're going for, you got in your truck and you were just uh, like, I oh can,
1: God. Can, yeah.
4: <laughs> so this is, this is
1: the second thing that came to my mind when Rick asked the question. Uh, it was about a week into my territory. I was brand new selling. I mean, I, when I say brand new selling sold a thing in my life. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't a waiter. Yeah. I didn't work at the ball. Like, <laughs> so you're totally I, fumbling. I was a big dude that could carry a ton of bricks yeah. and I work construction. Yeah. Um, so if I had no sales experience. And when I got my territory, uh, they said, you got to go see this gentleman. He's got a problem with his machine. And I went out to it. I, I could take you to the spot right now. <laughs> it, was, it, it it's was
0: ingrained in your brain. Oh, now. Yeah. No, yeah. My parents actually
1: live close to it. So I think about it a lot, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's at the corner of, of uh, Waddles and Rochester road. Okay. Uh, flatware contractor again, passionate heritage. Yes. Um, and I remember pulling up on this job site and walking up and saying, I'm Mr. Customer, you know, I'm Tony Murley, I'm your new salesman. Told you, you got a problem machine. And I just got absolutely Fucked up and down the road. Really? He kicked me off his job site. Really? <laughs> I'm like, all right, here we go. Yep. So I, I said, all right, you know, and I, first time I've been yelled at. Yep. Uh, especially by a passionate Italian man. I, yes. I was raised by one. So I came back the next day, same thing, yeah. Off and down. Yeah. Off my job hey. site and <laughs> like, all right. Came back the third day and I said, hey, here's the deal. I said, you can keep kicking me off the job site. And I'm going to keep coming back and we're no closer to fixing your problem. I said, I have no idea what's wrong with your machine. I came here to help you and I'm going to keep coming back until you let me help you. So through that, and it's, it's funny, you know, I'm kind of getting a little emotional on this one. I thought of this the other day cause I was sitting in my office. Uh guy was tough as nails, but developed a very, very deep relationship with this guy. Older gentleman passed. 2012, uh, he passed away. Guy spent you know his whole life working his ass off, running a, a wheeled excavator. You know, came here as an immigrant with nothing, raised a phenomenal company, phenomenal reputation. And I remember, and this is you know the, the thing that's most important about my job and our our role is, I have a picture next to my desk. If you guys ever know, if I I encourage you to come stop and see it. There's a picture of my desk, and it's a unicorn that's painted by my oldest daughter Jada. And she was probably two years old at the time. And we, he, he had cancer and we used to pray for him at night and it just showed. And I've left it there because she gave it to me to give to him. And by the time I got down there, he he passed. passed. I didn't get to see him, but, yeah. but it, I mean, I saw him recently before, but it's, but we used to pray for him every night and it yeah. just shows like the depth of the relationships. And that's the important thing. You know, like that's, that's why I keep it next to my desk because and having a rough day, you know, it reminds me of what's important.
0: Yeah, 100%. This is like a trial that's, that's tears. That's, you're right. <laughs> that, it was, is. that was a good Again, card. That's not the question you asked me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. So, no, actually, actually, that was a beautiful story. I, I love that. that. Yeah. But at the same didn't time, you still get not answer now. the question it, it, of the most it, awkward story. I mean, that was pretty awkward. It, Jenny, no, that's, that's, that's actually that's when the first week,
1: three three days in a row.
0: That's sentimental. But are you finished with a sentimental yeah, and well, heartfelt. I'm talking like
1: that's where the salesman comes out
0: on me. I'm talking like you. Got you decided done, you were going to show the customer how to load a truck, and you slam the, the, the box of the truck, and you walked out. Oh, I, I, I
1: got that.
2: If the, we, that's we want the worst thing that's happened to you. No, that's not like
0: like the time you got caught with. But the younger woman.
4: Uh, <laughs> there was got, your I extra got, burner got, card, got, by got, the way. Yeah, you're right. That was. I forgot about it.
1: So I, I can tell you that one. That's that's not <laughs> awkward. That's precarious. That's there, there's one that by far backfired we, weighs out anything. Uh so my I mentioned my first territory was in North Oakland County. Two thousand and nine, I think it was. I got moved down to Detroit. So I was selling to scrap, basically scrap. Uh, industrial customers, and and one of the first customers I was sent out to because they they had a need and I took over for another salesman that got promoted. It was go see this customer and and I did and uh, we had a wheeled excavator, a, a wheeled material handler, and they they didn't have them in their yard, so we were trying to you know demo them a wheeled material handler and it was one hundred twenty five thousand pound wheeled material Ooh, handler. Oh, that's a good size 67 machine. Sixty seven foot reach, sixty five foot reach, wow. and it had a sixty six inch magnet. And I picked it up from one customer, which was, you talk about puckered butthole. That's yep. where it started because <laughs> they didn't, they didn't know how to run it. It was, it was like a spaceship. Um, it was an exodus. If you guys have ever heard of it, yeah, Google it. It's it, it was in one of the uh, multiple in and outs Caterpillar had in the material handling business. So this was in between Caterpillar got out of the business in seven or eight. I don't remember when it was, but it was shortly after that. And we needed a material handler line. So we... We joined forces. Well, with, now that with,
0: begs the question. Did they get out of the material handling business because of this story?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it, it, this was a precursor to it. It was It was <laughs> after that, but they surely could have. So uh, picked it up, loaded on a low boy. I mean, this thing was like I don't know, the exact, maybe 11, 11 or so wide. So oh. you think about solid tires, they're, they're 12 inch tires. I think it was 12 by 20 rims. Loading that thing, I mean, my sketch as so, can be. Oh my God. I backed yeah. it on this trailer. I remember oh, you it was Joe personally were yes. yes. oh, oh yeah. They didn't know how to do it. I thought so you were I had watching. to go, I had to go oh, pick man. it up. So I spent like twenty minutes just trying to figure out I've never this let alone never operated a material handler. This is not a cat material handler, so it's like a spaceship. Did so you
2: I, have it fully erected as you were driving it up on there? No, it was sucked in. <laughs>
1: No, Rick always goes there, doesn't We're he? going there. We're going there. <laughs> so
3: it's like driving a Link Belt. Nobody actually really knows yeah. how to drive one. Exactly, on. yeah. What, what are, are these so controls? I, I got it
1: on the trailer, and then we, so we we had a demo. You know, we were floating this thing around because we had a great market share in material handlers before Cat got out of the business. So we were trying to take our new shiny toy to show people what it did. Yeah. So we took it from one customer, took it down to Detroit. When we unloaded it, um, they had a it, really particular yard, very narrow, narrow. Uh, and they had a, I'm laughing now because I, I, I got to make, make sure I share this story or share this story here to make sure he listens to it because I remember the day, uh, had to get it across this scale. Okay. Very old yard. They had a, they had a truck, truck route and then a scale. Well, they had power wires on top, mm. so couldn't tuck it in. Mm-mm. So I had to stretch out 65 foot boom, boom and stick, material handling boom. 66 inch magnet dangling out there, 125,000 power machine going across. So I'm fully erect. To and the, only time, got Rick and so the only time though you're fully
2: erect <laughs> is when the outriggers are down in this machine, right? Yeah. That's, that's the only time that I'm, yeah. I'm feeling blood flow. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this is going, getting Rick so go, excited. We're going across
1: this scale <laughs> and all of a sudden the scale collapses.
2: Oh uh, no! Oh, oh,
1: oh. The front tire. I'm driving across the scale. Oh and no! The, the front tire. You so you already is, nervous? It, oh it my the god! Yes, I was, but I mean I'm dumb and I'm willing to try something, yep. and you know I didn't want to be the the young. I, I mean the reality is I was a young salesman. Yeah, you clinched the so old whitey tidies. Oh yeah, no, they they might have got left down in Oakwood Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs>
4: they're buried on the so side
1: of the road. <laughs> the, the scale house in their office is like four feet to the east of this this. This scale, and I, I started falling into, you know, my front tire, oh, god. Went down, and I'm just like, oh my god, nervous as hell. So finally, I kind of, I, I, I can picture uh, saying this story. I can picture my foot shaking <laughs> on, on the brake, <laughs> like that's. I finally got my composure. It didn't like, you know, at that point it was stationary. My my front tire was down. It was, I think it was a dual tire machine. And I was able to back off and I just got a machine. I'm like, all right, we got to come up with a different plan for this one. So <laughs>
0: this ain't going to fly. And that's when the boys at Cat were like, guys, Tony really fucked up on this one. We're no, going to have to get out of material dealers. No, that, that that
1: <laughs> thankfully, someone was looking out for me because nothing went wrong. So the next morning, <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite stories. I'm going to have a picture of this. The next morning, they had a side entrance to their yard. Um, someone owned the property, but they got, they got the
3: easement or whatever. No, they just
1: got the, they, they got permission. Okay. So we ended up at like six 30 in the morning. We took this machine again. Remember it's a material handler. We on wheels, we took this machine down Oakwood around the, we drove it down the middle of the road. Nice. And we had one guy in front, uh, Len Evans sales manager forever. He's, He's a legend at our company. One of my favorite stories with him. He's driving out front. We had the operator running the machine. He's driving out front. With his flashers on, I'm walking behind it with like two flags. I mean, we, we <laughs> like look so, <laughs> exactly,
4: yeah. <laughs> so official. exactly the guy at Home Depot.
1: We look so official, but we took it. I remember we had to get underneath the the traffic light, and <laughs> the boom. We had to get so like the boom scuffed the road. Oh, nice. We're in the middle of the hood, so yeah, it didn't who, matter. Yeah, we nah, ended up getting that. in the yard. That, so that, <laughs> you, that wow, I wouldn't have c- confine that as awkward, but that is, I guess, that answers your question. Sorry for going down memory lane with with the, the no, sad story. That's good. No, hey, not wrong. So
2: I got to yeah, so after that question, what, what's been some of the most messed up situations you've seen? Like you went out there and the operator has just done fucked up like beyond, like it shouldn't even happen. If you had those moments, you went out there and you're like, I don't even know how this was possible.
0: Yeah. I can't find it. Where is it?
3: You done messed up, A.A. Ron! Right.
0: Sorry. I had to scroll
2: through a couple of pages. I mean, because we always hear the horror stories, and you're like, you gotta be shitting me, and then someone gives you a picture, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> Check
3: that out. That dude fucked up. <laughs> Big time.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, mean, I almost made that picture. Not the 627 scrapers, but the one downsized from that. The 627 uh, is the single 615? engine. 657 Elevated is the scraper? Yeah, the oh, 650- six. So it was a 627. 627 single engine. They didn't tell me that the brakes didn't work. Whoops. We were pulling a pile down. and Drop they the would bowl, just baby! Roll yeah. You got, right it, you got an e-brake. You just dropped the bowl. It was, like, it was like, right. like the second day on a scraper. The one night I was running yesterday worked just fine. I got <laughs> into the foreman scraper the next day and we're ripping topsoils. We're just behind order side cutting a hill. And I'm like running full tilt up to it. And I get right to the end and I'm, there's no fucking break. Oop. And you know, they forget to tell you, drop the bowl instantly. Yeah. It was a... And then start to panic and yeah. yeah, yeah. I almost made that because I thought I zigged and the thing zagged as the bowl went down and we made a hard laugh and... As we, long we as we your nose is out in front. Bottom.
0: As long as your nose yeah. is out in front, you ain't gonna tip. No, no. The front right tire was bulldozing on its way down. Yeah, we made good. it,
2: though. You're good. <laughs> I didn't get a picture of it, though. So...
0: So I do have to, I have to, I have to tell my awkward sales story because this is the, I still, there are nights where I will wake up at two o'clock in the morning and, and just utter embarrassment still. So I went to see that it was a, it was a drainage contractor that does, does drain tile for farmers. And, um, I was the only salesman in our company that had operating experience and my operating experience. I came from the white collar world. My background is I started in banking, came from the white collar world, moved into this world. I I, I'm very proud of my blue collar heritage and the work that I've put in to get my skill set. So it is a huge source of pride to me that I am a skilled operator. On top of that, I'm the only salesperson in our company that has any operating experience. So like double pride there. So I go out and uh, I'm going to go appraise this backhoe for a guy and try to sell them into a new one so i get out there and um, this is one of those guys that his shop looks like a museum for equipment like we're talking epoxied floors <laughs> like the the backhoe is a seven-year-old unit and has tinted windows and looks like it has never seen the dirt he uh, this was a case machine so he was he would rebush the machine every like 3 years, 2 3 years. And so this thing was immaculate. His tile plow looked like it had never seen dirt before. And I'm just like okay, like this is the level we're going to go at. Okay, like we're good. And so I go in there and I I talk my I say my piece about our equipment, and everything. And I say, I'm going to do, I'm going to do your equipment evaluation. Do you want to take it outside? No, I don't need to take it outside. You know, cause I, you know, when you sell equipment and you do trade-ins, you, you kind of know the hot points that you don't need to go get it in the dirt to test it out. So I'm like, no, I'll just do my equipment evaluation real quick. You guys keep working. They were, do, they were detailing the plow, <laughs> but you know, because why not? Yeah. Put a fresh coat of wax on it. This machine was so freaking tight. It was like running a brand new. 580 backhoe like i had never been in one like that before that was seven years old and so for people who are listening and who aren't familiar with case backhoes when you go to store the back boom you have to do this weird flick with your boom control to get it up over this hinge point so it will actually store with a older womped out machine i can i've got that down to just i can just very gently set that back i mean it's just like chef's kiss good and so I get my equipment valuation done on this thing and I go to set the the boom up and uh, I've got my front bucket down on the floor, but I will have the outriggers down because I don't need them. I'm not doing anything that's going to require outriggers. And so I go to do that stick flick and it is so freaking tight. I don't make it past the hinge point. And instead, the whole way of that boom lifts the front end of that machine up, takes that front bucket and just slams the fuck out of his nice epoxy floor and i was just like oh god and i'm like okay we're not gonna do that again you didn't have that place you didn't you didn't need the flick yeah so so like i had to treat it like a new machine so i'm like okay we're gonna rev up the rpms you know we're just gonna drive this baby home and so i rev up the rpms and i go to drive that baby home and I missed it by a quarter inch on my, <laughs> just a quarter inch. And so for a second freaking time, at this point, he's got two employees there. So there's three guys sitting there staring at me. I, for a second time, slam the fuck out of his nice epoxy floor. And I was just like,
2: oh, okay. I would have told you, you had to leave. Oh, dude, there. I put the <laughs> deal.
0: I, I put the outriggers down, <laughs> I stored the boom. I said, you guys have a great day. <laughs> no follow-up call on that one. It was a shocker. <laughs> but that was still two o'clock in the morning. I'll wake up and I'm like, fuck, that was awkward. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Remember <to> your experience. <laughs> You're lucky they didn't send you back with a bill. Oh, man. Like, I felt I so going. bad. Yeah. Like, I so, have never... We were going to ask 10 for the, uh for the trade-in price, but we want 30 because we need a new floor. Exactly, yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> then, oh God. it has to be redone, not just the scuffs. Mm-hmm. It was so uncomfortable. Because the other thing, on top of, like, just the fact that you just slammed the fuck out of his floor, I look like I've never ran a machine before at that point. Like, at that... I just look like I would never been in a backhoe. <laughs> And I'm just like, I can't explain my way out of this one. I can't. I, there's nothing I can say. I have to do my walk of shame out of this building, and I just have to move on with my life. And we're five years past the point. I still haven't I moved on with holes. my life. <laughs> there's I hate a certain amount holes, of humility man. that comes with the job. Oh,
2: 100%. I'm just glad the industry is starting to slowly fade backhoes out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, like I hate my backhoes. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, backhoes are Army knife. It terrible. doesn't do anything right. good. Yes. It's not good at nothing, but it's there. I yes. still think I want to buy a
1: backhoe when I retire. Oh. Yeah, why not? There's yeah. great. many. So you can do There's everything with them. Push snow with it. You know, yeah. dig a little flower pond. Yeah, uh, yeah. I,
0: you know, if you want to just so,
3: think so around. handy around yeah. our shop, though, like yeah. Joe's is like, oh, I'll, I'll I'll grab that rock. I'll go get the backhoe. Sure. And it's like, oh, perfect.
1: Jack of it's like a Swiss Army knife. It, it is. is. A, that's yeah. the only way I can explain it's, it. It's,
3: it's a Swiss Army knife.
1: It's track machines and mini excavators. of one hundred percent. I always I always I've say made it a dinosaur. Yeah.
3: The, the only thing is, that I found a backhoe to be super efficient for. To carry my tools down the road so the labors don't <laughs> have to. Yeah. Is to carry concrete pipe. They work pretty good for carrying concrete pipe.
0: Yeah. It's, it, you know, the backhoe is the epitome of the jack of all trades. It's, yeah. it's jack of all trades, master of none. It does everything okay, but boy, you could do it a lot faster with two machines that are specialized in it. And, and it's just, it's... I'll tell you what, becoming vintage. I'll tell you what, burned me on the backhoe is is when I worked at Dan's excavating one year. I spent an entire effing summer bouncing around. It was when we redid this stretch of twenty three, bouncing around eleven miles of twenty three on a freaking four twenty, just beating the piss out of my back. No, just I was on I was on erosion control. And so I was, from one end of the job to the other, I had two laborers working with me and our whole job was going around doing all the little check dams and doing all the riprap and you gotta replace the fabric and as soon as you fucking finish, rainstorm comes through, washes it all out. Now we gotta start all over again. And the whole time, I'm Bouncing my, because backhoes are the bounciest freaking machine. Yeah. I'm bouncing my ass up and down this 11 mile job site from one to the other all summer long, and I'm. That was the summer up until that point. I didn't have any. I didn't have a prejudice against backhoes. I loved yeah. all equipment equally. No, after that one, fuck backhoes.
3: I hate backhoes. <laughs> the other thing I like about a backhoe is if I got a job right down the road, I can just drive it. You can it road it yeah. 100%. You know, yeah, that that, that right. is nice. I, I don't even need a I've CDL tracked, driver. I've tracked skids and
2: mini-esquiers right down the road.
3: Yeah, but you didn't drive one from here to Brighton.
2: That's true. Yeah. I we, mean, I drove done a
3: couple-hour trip. Yeah, 20, 24 <laughs> miles an hour? Yeah. You're yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I drove a backhoe from Wixom to Plymouth. <laughs> that was a waste.
2: I threw a track off downtown Rochester once. In the road? Yeah, right downtown. Ooh. Nice. The Belts Blue Park. Oh no. <laughs> it was a good time. That's uncomfortable. So, where do you guys go from here, Tony? Obviously, we're talking about the new challenges that we're all facing with society and with basically the way the world's changing constantly. It seems like every day with social media and the news and the issues at hand, how do you guys keep pressing forward to push what you guys believe is, you know, one of the top notch equipment out there? How do you guys keep setting the bar for Michigan cat? How do you keep going? This is where we were, but we want to be better than we were last year. How do you guys keep pushing that bar?
1: Oh, it's two sided. From a sales side, we need to continue to evolve, continue to provide value. Um, I think that's where, comment i made earlier about really consulting and helping you guys manage your fleet managing decisions you make based on information and data and that's really the the age we're in is data there's so much data that's available right now so that's part of it and then the the other side of it which is more important than than the side that i live in is the service side is is making sure that we're taking care taking care of you servicing you i mean that's the biggest challenge that we face right now in the industry Um, it's not just us it's customers with technicians and and really that's oh we make great equipment but everyone makes pretty damn good equipment the the service is what sets you apart so yeah. that's the thing that we need to continue to evolve in um that we we need to continue to to re I don't want to say rebrand because that's the wrong word but 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 repurpose and, and and find a better way to do it more efficient way and i think technology is going to help us in that but we're we're not going to get out of the challenges that we have with, with the labor force in that. I, I just don't see us because I look at no. right now, we got, we got 40, 40, folks within retirement age in union. And and wow. I, I think we, and, and that's not today, but that's right. over the next five years right. and it's going to take 80 to replace them. yeah And that's not because of the comment I made earlier about those folks might not stay in that, in that position for their whole career, but it's, it's the other comment I made about how much knowledge they have. So it's it's how do we how do we continue to get get out in front of that that that's the biggest challenge that I think we face. I
0: will tell you the scarier thing too is when you think about if if we were to go full bore tomorrow, like like America does a one eighty on the trades, you're not going to see the result of that for a decade. Ten years, yeah. I mean, That's because we, we've brainwashed all of the kids right now to where they're all going to go, Whoa, oh, you've been telling me college is the way to go. None of them are going to stop and go, oh, all of a sudden the trades are viable. You've got to wait until that next generation comes through that hasn't spent their whole life hearing that the trades are kind of the failure route before you really start to see this true adoption of the trades again we're easily a decade out from anything changing assuming you started tomorrow
1: but look at all the other things that we've discussed you know the, the the ease of technology the way that you can learn the way that you can get information Hell, i've i've had customers facetime show me that let me see it you know let yeah, me show it to a walk in i'll walk back yep. in the shop if i'm a nova and show it to tech so for all the th- challenges we have there's there's means and ways of the new world we live in that can can help with that and that's going to be the biggest thing, and you know we talked about it when we had lunches that remote capabilities remote yeah that is that's we're on the cusp of that, yeah, but we're going to see that become really prevalent in the next next five years yeah you know it's it's oh you're going to go to bed tonight and your iPhone says it needs an update you know, at what point are machines going to do that, and at what point is that going to be reliable and acceptable, and it's not that far off it, it, that's it, where you know sixty percent of our work orders we're hooking something up,
4: yeah yeah,
1: so that's how can we reduce that we're not going to eliminate it how can we reduce that how can we flash over the airwaves how can we tell you rick don't touch your damn controls for the next 10 minutes have a sandwich take a nap this thing you cannot touch it but that's what we're coming into right and it's here yeah i mean i can tell you right now it's here we're just not comfortable with it yet right to say that hey we're going to remote flash your machine over the airwaves and you can't touch it because we're afraid of the risk that comes with if it's interrupted you know it's not your iphone where you just take it to the apple store Right. So that th- all those things in little bits and pieces of that is going to help us get through it. Yeah. I, that's, that's the, you know, and, and I, I don't want to put it on my teammates in product support. No. They've done a incredible job over the last couple of years, but that's, that's really going to be the, you know, that's the the chase that we're having. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's my biggest concern.
0: Yeah. It, I, I do think that that technology, w- whether it's machine control, whether it's autonomy, whether it's remote, that's what's going to get us through this this gap where we just we don't have people um, and, and, and in all honesty, I don't know that we'll ever get get back to the the kind of where the trades were back in the day. I don't think we'll ever get back there because I think technology is going to help close that gap fast enough that we won't need the manpower that we did. Um, but but like we talked about earlier, the challenge in our industry is we hate technology. Like yeah. you're dealing with a bunch of fogies that don't like technology. Well, so, so
1: you don't like change. It's not necessary technology. That's, that's true. You hit
0: it well, technology is the big change. IPhones, yeah, right? they do. <laughs> but they don't know how to check their calendar.
2: Rick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have an iPhone, bud. I have that's, no iPhone. That's true. That is true. Now, with the position that you're in, turning around and look at the path that you blaze. Looking back and reflecting. Would you call that being on fire? There you go. Wow! Right wow! Hey, Is that I, number you, six? I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. You called out. We, yeah. I read his card form. Lunchables. I, I read the card form. I couldn't leave Tony <laughs>
1: Sorry, hanging over here. It sounds like but, a really important question. Please yeah, keep but going. but
2: looking but looking back at your career for the path that you have blazed for yourself, mm-hmm. and reflecting back, what has that journey been like? And what's been your biggest hurdle and accomplishment at the same time? Just personally, not just I did this for Cat um
1: the balance i mean that's that's the biggest thing i'm fortunate that i got a f- phenomenal wife that put up with my bullshit for the last 19 years and 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 she's got a great career herself so we had uh well you've been there 19 no i'm thinking of how many years before we had kids so that, oh, i mean you. that w- that was easier because we were both kind of grinding and sure. doing our thing but now it's it's been all the challenges that come with raising kids and trying to be a good, good spouse. And you know, that's been the hardest part. Yeah. And I, that's probably been the thing that I've owned the shortest on. That's and hard. The,
3: and that's been the that's thing juggling. that's been most
1: important for me. So yeah. I, I hate to go soft again on you, but that's no, the that's first right. thing that I, that I answer all the rest of the shit's been easy.
0: Yeah. Compared to that. That's a, that's a hard yeah. group of things to juggle. Uh, the spouse, the career, the children. Yeah. And doing that in a healthy way, and I, that's I look
1: right. at look back at holidays I have missed, birthdays I have missed. Yeah. I mean, that's yep. that's the that, that's, that's sacrifices that we make. Yes. Right? Yep. yep. And and that's all right. But it doesn't doesn't mean that that's always the most important thing to me.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and when I say them, not my family, the, sacri- right. the 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 decisions I made, but it's just right. you know part of it was was circumstantial. Part of it was you know I, I just didn't have the option and. And we get through it, and that's where I'd rather be there 364 other days than, than that one day, but maybe that's just me being a salesman rationalizing it to myself. So, hardest part. I mean, that's bar none, because we have a very, very demanding industry Now, that never turns off.
2: Now, for someone that's getting into the industry, male or female, what advice would you give them as they enter into, even if it's just a sales, re- sales, sales realm or service side, what would that be? yourself
1: yeah i mean uh, i think that the most successful people we have are the most comfortable in their own skin you know, I, they're, they're not trying to be somebody else and i would add leave
0: your weird brother at home i, I oh, had I mean, to burn that one because we're really, in the end here and- <laughs> if, if your weird brother can wrench bring him along well <laughs> that's true
3: <laughs> I, I did have one one uh one question i want to ask you true. being in the shoes that you're in if you found a kid with real potential and you go toe to toe to him, and you want to have a man on man conversation with him. What advice are you going to give a younger gentleman getting into this industry?
1: Um, well, I guess what do you mean by going toe to toe? You're just gonna conflict?
3: You, no, no. You're gonna have a man to man conversation with somebody who you see potential with. This is someone oh, it, you it, want it, to invest it, in it and give it back advice to. The same
1: same response I gave Rick <laughs> is. You know, I hate politics. Yep. You know, I hate, 100%. I hate politics within our business mm-hmm. because I look at it as, you know, conflict without trust is politics. Yeah. We have a ton of conflict, but we have an extremely trustworthy team. Yeah. So conflict is great. You know, it's productive. It's good. And that's yeah. where I don't like people that, and I'll give you an example of someone that, that I work with, um, that reports to me that, that I've had the conversation, I'll give you a real life example of not trying to be, I felt that they were being somebody differently to leadership than they were out in the field and saying, just be true to yourself. And that's something that I learned early Yeah, and I, I learned it because I didn't know any better. And, and I'm thankful for that. It, it made an impactful part of my career, but I struggled early in my career um, with leadership because the way that I was going about my business was not the way that, someone wanted me to do it. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful for it because it made me who I am today. But that's where, you know, my, my first thing is be yourself and be true to yourself. And that's yeah. the same. I don't want to be cliche, but that's the same response I gave Rick. Because if you're doing that, then you're not going to have, you're, you're not going to have any issues. That is going to be the core <laughs> root is you're trying to impress someone or do something that someone wants you to do. You're vulnerable, you're real, and, and, and you're going to be yourself. And I think that if, if folks are doing that on both sides, There's nothing that can't be worked through. Yeah. So sorry for being cheesy. No,
3: no, no, that's, that's, Hey Greg, if you
2: ain't first, you're last bud. Just letting you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So final, final question. We kind of all have our, our outro questions we ask and I totally stole this one and I'm, I'm unashamed. What's your purpose. And you can take that however shallow or deep as you want. What's your purpose. Purpose in life or. As shallow or as deep as you want. That's what
3: I love about this question. Well, his That's why I want to steal it to get through all these cards for That's true. The, I'm going to go
1: 395 deep with this one. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> my purpose would be to have a meaningful and positive impact on people's lives.
2: Solid. That's solid. That's solid. Tony. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, today. absolutely. It's been great. No problem. You, you man. My classed pleasure.
0: us up. You started with oh, the whiskey, so. <laughs> and then the conversation. Like we took right. this to another level. Bias well, for sweat and grime light, so I didn't want to too much too much less than that. You know, what? I feel like it was actually sweat and grime deep. Okay. I feel like sweat and grime is typically very light and surface level, and tonight we went a little deeper. Oh, this was, this like was this, great to this, actually this get good. it
2: from the whole flip side, from the top down, from the sails. But it's always just equipment, iron, and diesel, and diesel fuel and oil way and, more than that you know yeah but a lot of the conversations and then you hear the stories but to hear your perspective and how you stepped into the role to where you're at today was a good listen for everybody no, appreciate it I had a great time yeah
0: that's it's been fun so uh, thanks for listening thanks for listening as always and i will say this definitively sweat and grime the youtube channel with the videos, is 100% going to beat the website. So don't even look for the website yet. Guys, forget I said the website until the website's here. But definitively, go to YouTube and search Sweat and Grime because we have a YouTube channel. And here within the next two weeks, we're going live. So we will see you on the YouTubes, and we'll catch you next week on Sweat and
3: Grime. Peace. See ya.